Amen. It's good to be with God's people. There's a man that used to be a minister in my home church in Wichita Falls that I'd rather be in this church than the best hospital in town. I never have understood that one. But I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. This is the week of Thanksgiving, and we're grateful. We need to take time to give thanks to the Lord and uh, to be a healing agent in our homes and in our community. I'm praying that God will help us be that. It's great to have my brother home tonight and uh, thankful that he could be with us and deliver the word of the Lord. I feel like you're in good hands tonight. Not only is he an able preacher, but the word is capable of helping all of us if we'll just open our heart and tune our ears in to the Word of God. Would you do that right now? Come on, my friend. And let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Would you lift your hands one more time and thank the Lord for that? Jesus, we worship you today. What a privilege to be in your presence. We magnify the name that's above every name. We give you glory and honor today. What a great day this has been. The Spirit of the Lord this morning was just incredible here. And God always shows up. If two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst of them. I have not ever seen him break that promise. He's always here. What a privilege to be in his presence today. I'm going to read from two passages of scripture tonight. First one's the book of Acts, chapter 2. You should be able to quote it. Verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. For sake of time tonight, I won't read the whole chapter, but let me start with verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting for the, for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For when we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. For a few moments tonight, I want to talk to you about the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift. The greatest gift ever given. 
the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord bless you, you may be seated. Before I begin tonight, let me say what a great honor it is to be home. I enjoy being at home. Brother Clyde I have to say it again. You are one of the few people that I have seen who can prepare the atmosphere for the preacher. I preach a lot of places that when I get the pulpit, I have no clue where I'm going or what I'm going to do because the atmosphere has not been prepared. I heard a song just recently, and my wife says, you got to quit talking about these songs. But, And it talked about the reckless love of God. And when I saw that statement, I thought, reckless? God's not reckless. See, reckless people injure people. Reckless people damage lives. Reckless people cause all kinds of chaos. God's not reckless. Now, intentional? Absolutely. But he is not reckless. He knows how to love us without leaving scars or injuries or, or, or defects in our lives. He, he's just an incredible God. The Holy Ghost is probably the most misunderstood thing in the Bible. I'm not sure if we as Pentecostals have actually grasped the total power that resides in the Holy Ghost in our lives. God's Spirit living in us enables us to become things that we couldn't do by ourselves. It gives us the resources and power to change life in ways that we have no comprehension of how that could actually take place. But the Holy Ghost gives us that ability. If you could give your testimonies tonight, there would be all kinds of testimonies about how God helped transform your life into a different life. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is an ability for a transformation to take place that is a transformation. You become a brand new person. Paul said we are a new creature. The literal translation is a brand new creation. I, I'm not like I used to be. The day I received the Spirit of God and I received the Holy Ghost and I speak in His language and that new birth takes place, there is a new creation that shows up in my life. Now, I become a brand new person. Now, I still live in the flesh, and there's where the war is going to be with the flesh that I live in, because I have never found that my flesh like to pray at all. It doesn't really like to fast or read the Bible. It doesn't like to do things that, that it should do, so that that's what I have to battle with. But even living in this flesh, he gives me this incredible power to change life. I remember hearing our pastor 
say things on a regular basis to people. I had the privilege of working for him for nine years, and so I was often in his office when people would come by to talk to him. And I would hear him make statements like they were coming to get an answer because they had a problem in life. And first question he would ask them is, have you prayed about this? And then sometimes if they said they had prayed about it, then his next statement would be, have you prayed through over this? See, there's more than just praying about it. Have you prayed through about it? What were they saying to us? What were they trying to teach us? Scientists have discovered some incredible things about our human minds and bodies that when you when you look at it and then you look at what God gives us and how he gives us this power and authority in our lives that has the ability to literally speak life into somebody else. You and I have that power. We, as his kids, have the ability through his spirit in our lives to produce life in someone else. I noticed an article a few months ago online and and it showed up actually on Fox web page and I just read a little bit of it and and I downloaded it and stuck it somewhere on my computer and recently I had the ability to go back and and look at it and so when I went back and looked at what this article said there was just some incredible things that scientists had discovered According to research, the human DNA is a biological Internet, and it is superior to anything that we as humans have developed. There is evidence for a whole new type of medicine that's based upon DNA and how DNA can be influenced and reprogrammed by words and sounds without a cutting with a knife or having to splice genes. Just power of words and vibration. They have taken DNA and put it in a a, a pure environment and had people come in to where the DNA was and speak words of affirmation And the DNA corrected all of its deformities just by words of affirmation spoken by people who enter that room. And my Bible says that in the tongue is the power of life and death. You and I, as his kids, have the power to change the lives of people. We have that authority and power in our lives. They've discovered that music is probably one of the best ways to alter DNA. And they discovered the frequency that alters DNA is middle C on that piano. And songs that are sung with a religious bass changes DNA nine times faster than any other kind of music. Just the power of the spoken word. When we read or sing about the word, 
not our problems, not our issues, but the Word of God, incredible things start happening. As we sang this morning about Him and His glory and His beauty, notice what took place. And every time we do that, that's what happens. We have the power today by the way we come to church and what we do here to literally alter the world that's around us. They have discovered that in DNA, when they've discovered how to uh, tap into its frequency and find the frequency of the DNA, because every structure has a frequency to it, that when they learn how to tap into that frequency and then begin to imitate it or to to get it to show up on their screen and, and it begins that vibration, they can literally remove the DNA and the vibration continues. They've also discovered that prayer in North America has changed lives in, in Australia without the people even knowing they were being prayed for. God has a way of communicating that you and I have no clue about. And these bodies he give us are so incredible and they have such incredible gifts. DNA, it doesn't just create your structure, but it has this ability to have a memory and it records data and it's stored inside of our DNA so that that, that DNA can be passed on to someone else. But we have the power to alter it. I wonder... How many people's lives have been changed by just sitting in church, hearing the word preached and the music that we sing about God and worship taking place? We will never know till we get to heaven the transformations and the miracles that took place on a pew that none of us even had a clue was going on because we started singing the word and we started talking about him and we started glorifying him. And as we began to do so, it starts changing the atmosphere. The Holy Ghost is the gift of God. The word that is used here in Acts Chapter 2, that Luke writes to record what Peter said on the day of Pentecost is a very unique term. The Greek word is doria. There are five or six different words for gifts in the Greek language. Charis or charisma is a term for a gift. Grace, which also can mean a gift. But this word doria is a unique gift. It is a gift that can only be given from deity to humanity. Humanity cannot return it to God. It can only come from God to man. It's not a gift that costs somebody. It's not a gift that someone has to pay a great price for. It's a gift given because the the person are being given it has the power and the authority to do so. The little lady at the well is the first place that Jesus introduced this idea into this world. To that little lady at the well, he said to her, if you just knew who was talking to you, 
You'd ask of me and I would give you the gift of God and it would be a living water springing up into you and ever. You'd never have to come back to this well and thirst again. And she desired it. She wanted to say, I want that gift. That gift is called the Holy Ghost. It is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Greek scholars say that this term is epexgetical. And when you say gift, it literally means Holy Ghost. When you say Holy Ghost, it literally means gift. They are replaceable. When you used one, you used the other. So anytime you talk about the Holy Ghost, you're talking about the gift that God gave to all of us humans so that we could take on His nature and have the ability and the authority to become like Him. The Holy Ghost is your answer to every problem. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, says that there are things in our lives that that we don't have the ability to understand or comprehend, and we don't have an answer for, but the Spirit has the answer. When our pastor in the past said, pray through, He didn't have scientific data to refer to to figure out. He just knew that if he could get somebody in a prayer room and pray long enough until they started speaking in tongues, things started changing. Because it's the Holy Ghost. I want to share a story with you tonight that I don't share very often. It actually happened over 20 years ago. In the middle 90s, probably 93, 94, we were at camp meeting one summer. And at the end of service, we were all at the altar praying. And I was standing over to the left side of the altar. Uh, there was a tap on my shoulder. And when I turned around, there was a local pastor had tapped me on the shoulder. He said, Brother Hughes, can I talk to you? I said, Sure. So we moved around beside that platform and, and was standing up against the wall where the hallway was. It went from one side to the other side. And standing there, he, he said, Brother Hughes, I, I, I got a family in my church that needs some help. W- would you talk to them? I said, well, sure, I'd love to talk to them. He said, now, uh, I, I just need to give you some, a um, l- little bit of information. Uh, it may be difficult for them to talk to you, and it may be a take a little while for them to open up, but I, I just want you to know that this little lady that's going to come and talk to you is my greatest prayer warrior. She can intercede greater than anybody else in my church. She is so in touch with God that if God speaks to her and she shares it with you because she feels God wants her to, and she'll never make a scene out of it. She'll talk to you privately by herself. She'll tell you what the Lord has shown her. And he said, if she tells you the Lord showed her something, you just better mark it down because she's never been wrong. Never. She's an incredible prayer warrior. If I have some need that we need to pray about, She's the one I'm going to let know about it. And she won't make a big deal about it. 
She'll just, I'll find my church open and see her car parked over the side. And when I walk inside and I walk by prayer room, I can hear her in that prayer room because she doesn't care if anybody hears her praying, but she'll be praying. And she won't just pray for a little while. She may pray three, four, five, six hours at a time for whatever I ask her to pray about. So they come. The first session that we had was was really strange. The the first thing that, that caught my attention was the difference between the two of them. When they walk in, he's about six one or six two. He's got a at least a twenty two inch neck. He weighs at least three hundred pounds. He's massive. He he's just huge guy. He's he's not fat. He's just huge. His shoulders are wide and. And I'm looking at this massive giant, and the little lady beside him is not even five foot tall, and she wouldn't weigh 90 pounds soaking wet. So I've got Goliath and this little lady standing beside him. And and they come in and sit down. And I was in Brother Calk's old office at the church, and he had an L-shaped desk. On one side of it was, was a... a was narrow ledge that had a bookshelf on it, and he had books in it. And when she sat down, she took her chair, and she pushed it up against the wall right beside that bookcase and disappeared. I can't even see her. So I carry this conversation. What's quite obvious that she has a trust problem. So we talked. At the end of the conversation on the way out that night, the husband said, Brother Hughes, the next time we come, it might be better if you talk to us separately. Would you do that? I said, sure. So the next week they showed up, and he came in first. He said, she wants me to talk first. So he came in, sat down. We started a conversation. He said, Brother Hughes, I need to tell you some things about my wife that she will never tell you. But my wife has been horribly abused. And when I tell you she's been horribly abused, you will not comprehend how abused I'm going to tell you she's been. So he starts telling me some of her life story. And I was quite shocked at the story I was hearing. She was raised by backslidden Pentecostal people. And when they lost their connection to God, he became an alcoholic. And when he was drunk, he was incredibly mean. He wasn't just mean. He was pure evil. When he abused people, he took photographs of them. They were time dated for the date and time that it happened. When she brought that album and laid it on the table and flipped it open and the first picture that shows up is a mother sitting on a vinyl couch, dressed like she's going to church, sitting very still with her hands on her knees, looking straight ahead. And beside her, laying on that couch, is a little baby wrapped in a blanket, just laying there. And when you look at the picture carefully, you notice that the mother's jaw is hanging over to one side. He had come home drunk. 
the child is six weeks of age, and she's nursing the child, and in his drunken rage, he started accusing his wife of loving the child more than loving him. And he took a pistol, crammed it in the mouth of that six-week-old child, and threatened to kill it. And mom starts begging for its life. And he proceeded to beat her till he broke her jaw, then forced her to clean up and sit on the couch, and he took her picture. There were hundreds of pages of photographs. I, I couldn't look at them. I don't understand how people can be like that. That's the furthest thing from my mind that I could ever comprehend. We, we came from incredible parents. Mom and dad were some of the greatest parents you could ever find in life. I had the best mom and the best dad. I, I never heard my dad say, I told you so. If you'd listen to me, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, you, can't you do anything right? You're just acting stupid. My dad never said those words. Now, he'd ask us questions that haunted us. I'd rather be beat than hear the question because the question was, son, what life teach you today? <laughs> And it's easier to get the spanking than it would be to answer what life taught me today about my behavior. But they were kind and gentle people. And to hear these stories, it's hard for my brain to comprehend how Pentecostal people can become so evil they do those things to children. I usually won't talk to people more than three or four times. If they don't change by then... They're really not looking to be changed or helped. They just want somebody to tell their story to. So, But that session went on for almost nine months. I heard stories, I'm not going to repeat them, that were so horrible. One of the daughters, there were seven kids. One of the daughters had a child by dad that was so deformed that they had to put it in a mental institution. And that daughter lost her mind that it is the same mental institution as the child. Dad wound up in prison as a result of them discovering the child came from dad and the problems associated with the birth. He didn't stay there very long, but he got out. At about six years of age, the local church started sending a Sunday school bus through their neighborhood. They lived at the edge of town, far enough away that they had no neighbors so nobody could pay attention to what was going on at that house. And someone came by, invited mom and dad, let them take their kids, seven of them, Sunday school, and they agreed. So the local church's Sunday school bus started picking them up on Sunday morning, taking them to church. She discovered that church was the safest place she had ever found in life. And it was her refuge. She got to the point where she had begged the Sunday school driver, please take me home last. The other kids dropped out over time, but she kept going. And she had begged the Sunday school driver, please take me home last. And so Sunday school driver would take her home last. And she said, Brother Hughes, I, I need to share some things with you, but I, I don't know if you'll believe me. A lot of people think I'm crazy. I said, okay, tell me your story. She said, it got so bad at one time that I asked the Lord, Lord, if if what they told me at church and at 12 she got the Holy Ghost and Dad let her be baptized, and so if if what they're telling me at church is real 
and this Holy Ghost that I've received is real. Can you please let me know that you know where I'm at and what's going on? Would you please just do something to let me understand that you have a clue where I'm at in life? She said, I, nothing happened. I went to bed that night. It's about 2 o'clock in the morning, I awakened to a presence in my room that terrified me. I knew something was there, and I was terrified. It's dark, and I know something's in my room, and I'm terrified. And she said, then I heard a voice say, don't be afraid, it is I. And the lights came on in my room. She said, the Lord Jesus stood in my room with two angels. And the Lord said, this room is soundproof. Nobody's going to hear one thing that goes on in this room. So whatever you want to do, you can do. And no one will know what we've been doing. She said, I got up out of my bed. I was about 14 years of age. And I took the hands of two angels and I danced with angels until I was so exhausted that I fell in the floor. The angels picked me up, put me back in bed, and then they disappeared. She said, do you believe me? I said, well, if my Bible's correct, I, I find Stephen getting transferred from where he's at all the way out to a desert by being me. I mean, he, he just went from one so if God can take Stephen here and put him in a chariot with someone driving through the desert, yeah, I can believe what you're telling me. I believe God can. He's, she said he did it twice. She knew she'd never escape because Dad told her that. Dad told all seven they'd never leave his house. They were his for the rest of their life. And so she was terrified. At about 16 years of age, she came home from church one night, and Dad happened to be in one of his drunken stupors. And when she walked in, he began to beat her so severely that she was unconscious. Then he grabbed her by the hair of the head and beat her face against the telephone, screaming, Call the preacher now. See what your church can do for you now. See if God can help you and get you away from me now. She said, You're never going back to church. Called her pastor. She said, Pastor, Dad says I can't come back to church. And the pastor said, the word says obey your mom and dad. So you need to do what mom and dad tell you. She felt totally defeated. One day at school, she was very intelligent, graduated valedictorian of her high school. One day at school, she called the pastor and said, Pastor, can you get me a key to your church? He said, sure. What do you want it for? Well, I only have half a day of class on Friday. If you'll get me a key, I'll walk to church on Friday, and I'll clean your church for you so you don't have to hire anybody to do it. Would you just get me a key so I can clean the church? He said, of course. So he brought her a key to school. And every Friday for the next two years, she would get out of school at noon, walk to church, and clean the church. When I asked the pastor about this event, he said, Brother Hughes, my church was never cleaner in its history than those two years. She, she washed the baseboard. She washed the door frame. You could eat off the floors. That was the cleanest building you've ever been in your life. It was immaculate. 
She kept it clean. She said, I'd go to church on Friday, and first thing I'd do is clean the church. And then when I got it really clean, I'd go back in the auditorium, and I'd get a songbook, and I'd come up and stand behind the pulpit, and I'd open the songbook, and I'd start singing songs out of the songbook. And after I had sang the songs a few, then I'd get the Bible and open it, and I'd just start reading from the Bible. I, I didn't know what to read. I'd just read from the Bible. And after I had read passages out of the Bible, I'd go stand in front of the altar, and I'd start worshiping the Lord. And he, she said, I, I worshiped the Lord sometimes for 30, 40 minutes. I just danced around the altar. I just had church by myself. I couldn't have anywhere else. I just had church by myself. She got a job as a caretaker at the judge's house. And the judge took a very uh, tremendous liking to her and didn't just let her clean his house. He gave her full run of his house. She bought groceries. She kept the house clean. She took care of everything around his home. And he started talking to her about college. And he knew she was the top of her class at the local school. And she kept saying, well, you know, I'm not sure what I want to do. One day during the summer, she came and the judge was sitting in the dining room at the table, and when she walked in, the judge said, come in, sit down. So she walks over and sits down at the table. He said, I talked to the president of Ole Miss, and he gave me permission to register you for college. You can take any class you want. I've got all the papers here for you to fill out. You'll be the first on the list. You will not have a class that you can't get in because too many people signed up for you. You're going to be the first to sign up for any class you want at college next you're or, or in September, so fill out the papers. And she said, I, I, I can't do it. He said, no, 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 just just fill them out for me. Just be nice to this old man. Fill out the papers like he was going. So she sat down and filled out the papers, and she knew she was not going to get away. So she went home. A few days later, she comes back and judges home, but there's a couple of sheriff's cars in the driveway, and she walks in, and there's a judge at the table, and the sheriff and several deputies are there, which you know, were there on a regular basis. He's the judge. And she walks in, and the judge says, come in. So she comes in. She said, he, he says to her, we're, we're packing for school today. She said, oh, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. We're, we're going to go pack you for school. You're going to school today. I said, okay, if you say so. We went out and got in the car. Sheriff drove out to mom and dad's house, and the sheriff walked up the front door of the house, and took his nightstick and wrapped on the front door. When Dad appeared, he just tapped him a couple of times on the head and said, Sit down, sir. And two sheriffs stood, deputies stood on either side, and the others went back and packed her clothes in brown paper bags and took them out and put them in the sheriff's car. And when the sheriff started to leave, he tapped Dad on the head two more times, and he said, Sir, I want to tell you something. If I ever hear that you've caused this little lady any more problems, your life is worthless. I can put you in the woods where nobody will find you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your life is worthless if you ever do this to him, her again. She escaped. She got to college. Enrolled in school. And got the yellow pages out because she wanted to find church. Two years without church, and she wanted to find church. So she got the yellow pages out, 
And she didn't know what to look for. So she just started at the very first one in the yellow pages in alphabetical order, and she went to that church Wednesday night. No, not it. Sunday morning, another church. No, not it. Sunday night, another church. No, not it. Wednesday night, another church. No, not it. You know, United is way down the list. So after going through everybody on those pages, she finally found the United Pentecostal Church. And when she walked in that Wednesday night, she said, yep, this is it. She knew she was at the right place. She said, Brother Hughes, those people thought I was crazy. All they had to do was say, let's pray. And I was up running the aisles and shouting and worshiping because I hadn't been at church in two years, and I was going to make everything about this count. And I didn't waste time. I didn't waste an opportunity. All they had to do was say, let's worship, and I was going to lead the pack because I wanted Jesus to know how much I loved him. She graduated from college, valedictorian. She graduated in three years, became a school teacher, moved here. And here met her husband. And now problems are happening. She's having horrible dreams and nightmares. And she can't get past these horrible flashbacks and nightmares that keep returning on a regular basis. And and and, and she, she said, I don't know what to do. So on a Tuesday night in February, she walks in. She said, Brother Hughes, the Lord told me. The answer to my problem is found in Romans chapter 8. If you'll go read Romans chapter 8, you'll figure out how to help me. So, are you sure? Yep. Romans chapter 8. And turned around and walked out. It was over. We didn't have a session. She just said, you go read Romans 8. You'll find the answer to my problem. So, I went home that night. I read Romans 8. You asked my wife. I reread Romans I, I read Romans 8 probably seven or eight times. I could not find it. Her, her pastor had said, if God tells her something, you can just write it down. It's what God said. So it's the, so I decided, okay, I went and got my Greek text. And I sat out at the dining room table with all my books around me. I said, all right, I'm going to translate Romans chapter 8. I'm going to find out what it says. So I start in verse 1. And I start translating Romans. And to translate from the Greek into English, it's not like our language. Because sometimes verbs are implied, they're not implied, and, and, and sometimes there's, there's not a noun, but the verb gives you a noun. So you, you gotta be real careful in translating. And I'm, and as I'm translating, it, there's just a revelation showed up. I realized the beauty of the Bible is that you do it no injustice when you put first person pronouns in the scripture instead of third person. So when you read the scripture, you're not violating the word of God by saying, likewise, the spirit also helpeth my infirmities. When I know not what I should pray as I ought, the spirit maketh intercessions for me with groanings and utterances. When I don't know how to do it, the spirit knows how to do it. When I don't have the answer, the Holy Ghost knows the answer. And so he gave me this equipment that allows me to fix any problem life has produced. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care what kind of problem it is. 
When you start speaking in his language and you learn to let that language flow, it's God. See, Andrew Newberg has discovered that when you speak in tongues, the language center of your brain's not working. So it's not you talking, it's God. And when you start speaking his language, then you are saying what the Spirit wants you to say. And the Spirit knows you need to say so that your life can be healed. The word helpeth is a word picture. There's no way to translate it. It has two prepositions attached to it. The easiest way to describe it is there's a wall across this room. It goes from that wall to that wall. It goes up over the handrails. It goes to that wall, goes up the ceiling. Oh, well, and there's no door. I can't get around it, under it, over it, through it. This wall is in front of me, and I'm trapped, and nothing I can do gets me through it. And something is driven through that wall so far, you can't get a hold of it. on. You can see it, but you can't get a hold of it on your side. The literal translation is to take hold of on the other side. When things happen in life that I don't have the ability to even comprehend or understand, God's made sure that I have a tool called the gift of God that will allow God to take things out of my life on the other side. I don't even have the ability to reach and get a hold of, and he can reach over, and the Holy Ghost will help me bring that back into my life so that I can forgive it, and let it go and get it out of my life. When I do, my life's whole. She came back next Tuesday night. I said, okay, here's what I discovered. And I started telling her, it's intercessory prayer that allows your life. Her face lit up like a light bulb. She said, I've been doing that for years. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. I can fix this tomorrow. Really? Yep. How are you going to do it? I'll re- hire a babysitter and take care of my kids, and I'll go to church. i got a key to the prayer room. I'll stay there however long it takes. I'll get this one done. So, okay. Next week she came back, smiles on her face. She did it. Did it work? Absolutely. Just like you said, it would work. It took me about six hours of intercessory prayer, but all my life got put right back in order, and I can remember my life from birth till today, and there's no scars, there's no wound, there's no junkie. I haven't had any more nightmares or flashbacks. You see... Intercessory prayer is the tool God gives us to heal our life. It's for me. It's not for others. When I learn how to pray in the Spirit, that allows God to key into my life and give me the ability then to heal my life by allowing Him to speak through me. And when I learned how to let the Holy Ghost flow through me, then life starts changing. See, it's prayer. It's praying in His language that gives me the ability. See, God knows what pitches and vibrations and types of sounds are necessary to put your DNA back in order because He created it. Now, I don't care what life's done to it. God knows what you need to be able to get your life back so that your life is whole and your life is healed and you're not tormented by past things and the junk of yesterday don't keep dragging into your life and causing all this junk. You can be totally transformed 
by the gift of God. It's in us. Praying through is the answer. Find you a place to pray. You see, it's when I learn how to pray in the Spirit that things start changing my life. If I'm battling my flesh, a good time of intercession would probably get my flesh under control real quick because the Holy Ghost knows how to take care of the stuff in my life. I, I don't have a clue how to take care of because we have let prayer slip from us, and it's not as important. See, I remember at 2950 Broadway, the church started in a prayer room at least an hour before service, every service. And it started in a prayer meeting. And then double doors opened to the side of that auditorium. And out of that prayer room, people would stream into that auditorium and the power of God would move. All kinds of things would take place. All kinds of miracles would happen. Why? Because we started church in prayer. Intercessory prayer is the need of this hour. If we want to see lives change, you want to see people healed, then you learn how to pray in the Spirit. And your intercessory prayer, there's some stuff about this DNA things that's actually scary to even read. Some stuff they've discovered. See, DNA in a vacuum leaves a hole in it. And and it's like it has the ability to jump space from one place to another place. I don't know how it works, but he does. He's the one that made it. If if that's what he needs to make my life better, use whatever you need. But if I learn how to just use what you gave me, I can change everything about life. I can fix every problem. There's not a circumstance or a problem in my life that I don't have the answer to overcome. It's just learning how to get along with God and learning how to pray until I start praying. And the Spirit knoweth the mind of God. The Spirit knoweth what I need. It's the Spirit that searches the heart and knows the mind of the Spirit because He maketh intercessions for us. And as a result, He has given me this gift of total restoration. Total Body, soul, spirit. Just a little bit of prayer. Brother Clyde T., look what happens when you start singing those songs that glorify him. And he starts showing up. And then all of a sudden things are starting to happen. We don't even know how they come about. We won't even know the full outcome of the details that happen as a result of what took place. Only eternity will expose those. See, how how many children' lives were altered when mom sat inside this auditorium during pregnancy and the preached word and the, 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 the word of worship and singing penetrated the atmosphere and, and had the ability to get down into people's lives. See, we have no clue what God's doing in lives when we come and we start truly worshiping and we, we get our minds on Him and, and we don't get distracted and we let God's Spirit start operating. We have no clue what God's doing in our world, but He gave me this gift and it can only come from Him. I can't give it to nobody, can't give it back. It's the gift 
of deity to humanity. And that gift gives me the power of eternal life. It's that gift that gives me the ability to not just have eternal life, but to speak life into other people's lives by my affirmations, by my affection, by the things I say to people. He gives me the power to, to rearrange DNA that could be destroying people's lives. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Please stand. Gracious Father, thank you today for your incredible word. Thank you today for the power of your word and its ability to affect my life in ways I don't even understand. How many of our lives have been changed, Jesus? By me simply putting your word in my car and letting someone read your word as I drive along in life. And I hear your word read as I'm going from place to place. How many miracles have taken place that I don't even know about as a result of the power and authority of your word? Lord Jesus, I I pray tonight that we as your children would understand how valuable this gift is you gave us. It is the gift of life. It's the gift of eternal life. There is no gift like it. You give me the power to get into a place of prayer where I can pray and worship you. And when I do, your spirit knows what needs to be done. And when I begin to pray, my prayer not only changes my life, but it has the power to transform or, or, or to go across the ocean to another continent where someone is sick that doesn't even know I'm praying for them and their lives are changed by my prayer as a result of the power of your word and the authority that your word has. Thank you today for this incredible power. I worship you today, Jesus. You need healing in your life tonight? It's available right now. You need things to change in your life. I open these altars tonight. There's no place like His presence.
to be careful what you ask the Lord for because he will give you that answer I left church this afternoon to go home and change and the last couple of days been extremely troubled and burdened over it situation not with our church something that I'm involved in and it's been such a breach sitting at the red line I said God is there any way this can ever be healed See, I'm, I'm wanting something else to change. And God's wanting to change me. And he, he spoke to me in prayer just a little while ago and said, if, if you'll let me change you, I'll change that situation. You know, there's a, there's an ugly thing that has surfaced in our midst, not just in our church, but in our fellowship. It's worse than leprosy. And it's pride. Naaman was given the answer that he had been looking for for a long time. Go dip in that river. You'll be healed. And he was so offended that he almost let his pride steal his miracle.
Sometimes I'm afraid that the reason that there are still breaches in our life is because we are dealing with too much pride. And I've come to the place lately where I don't care about them. I have to be right before God. And God has told me tonight, just as he's told you, there's an answer. There is no breach that cannot be healed if you will just utilize what I have put in you. The Holy Ghost. The hope of glory. Amen. Hope is shed abroad in our heart. How? By the Holy Ghost. When there's hopelessness, that is simply evidence that we have not been praying and we have not been in the Spirit. Because when we get in the Spirit, Hope is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And there is no hopeless situation. There is no, no thing that's unreconcilable. I've come too far to allow anything to slip into my heart at this juncture in my life and cause me to leave this world bitter or angry or hurt. Amen. And I've come to the conclusion that I don't care if they don't change one iota, whatever that means, I'm going to change. I'm not going to let their stubbornness, I'm not going to let their spirit determine mine. Amen. There's a lot of things that are being resolved right now in the Holy Ghost because somebody has broken through. Amen. They were right. If you'll just stay prayed through, there's a lot of things work a whole lot better. Amen. I'm asking you, church, let's not let pride keep us from the miraculous. Let's let's not let our pride keep us from what God is wanting to do. Amen. I want to be I want to be where God's blessings are. And I want to be where His Spirit is manifest. And it can only be manifest where there's obedience and submission 
man. I want to be that way. Praise God. Such a great spirit in this place right now. Such a deep, deep move of the Holy Ghost. And deep calleth unto deep. Amen. This is just the the tip of the iceberg. If we would just let the Holy Ghost start moving through us, working through us. This would be a whole different holiday season. Be a whole different time of year. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for responding. Thank you, Brother Hughes, for that word. I want healing from the inside out. Amen. I believe that's what the Holy Ghost is trying to do for all of us. Amen. And if you'll let God transform you, then He will in turn transform it or them or whatever else may be in your life right now. Amen. Quit praying for God to change them and start praying, God, change me. Transform me. Would you lift your voice and let's praise him one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs>